it is good to be here with you, uh, those of you on campus, those of you online. Today we are launching a new series, um, and you'll get what I'm doing with this because I've chosen to call it Chosen, all right? And the reason for that is because um, as I've been looking at what God has been doing in our midst and what He's doing in the world right now, it occurs to me that for a number of years, uh, we've been in a culture that has been dominated by the personality. Uh, my, my, I guess you would call it a grandiose culture in, in which we are driven by personalities. And, and, and unfortunately, many times those personalities that we've gravitated toward, uh, particularly within the Christian community, have ended up have ended up having some major character flaw. They've, they've, they've ended up having some kind of a failure, and as a result, people become disenfranchised. And so it, it dawned on me that throughout the Bible, there are, there are lots of people that, that we might not even know their story. See, I mean, we know the stories, right, of Abraham and Isaac and Moses and Noah. Or, or we, you know, we know about Paul, and we know about Peter, and, and, and of course, you know, Jesus, right? I mean, we, and, and people can say, well, no, that's the, you know, those are the personalities. And, and, you know, how many of you have had a bracelet or a book or something that, that you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? Okay, can I tell you something? Um, just forgive the grammar right now for just a minute, but you ain't Jesus, Okay just in case you thought you were, all right? You don't really have the capacity. None of you were born of a virgin. None of you are 100% divine and 100% human at the same time, all right? So here's the deal. You and I, we're, we're not capable of that. Now, we are capable of giving our heart to Jesus. We are capable of letting Jesus' Spirit live in us and change us. But what, what happens is that, that when, when, we, uh, when we begin to follow grandiose personalities, when we begin to think that that being a Christian means we have to be like those grandiose personalities, we miss the reality of the kingdom of God. Because you see, many of the things that are in our world, in fact, all the things that are in our world that are not connected to Jesus Christ, sooner or later, they're going to go away. Sooner or later, they're going to fail. But, but Jesus didn't just deal with big personalities. And God doesn't just choose people with great sets of abilities. I mean, as a pastor over the years, I mean, yes, it, it, it's great to have people who have talent. Yes, it's great to have people who have vision. Yes, it's great to have people who have intellect. All of those things, those are wonderful. But can I tell you something? Sometimes I, I, as a pastor, I, I hear people say, well, well, pastor, you, you don't need me. You, you don't need me. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have any talent. I don't have any ability. Why would God choose me? And so this morning, we're going to launch into a series and we're going to be looking at the people in the New Testament book of Acts that are, that are chosen by God, but may or may not be famous to you. Because this is not about us trying to be famous. This is about us trying to realize our destiny, our purpose in life. And for me, when the pandemic hit a year ago, I, I literally scrapped everything that I had planned for the next year. And I began to to, to pray and think about what would it be, God, that, that you would want us to do during something like a global pandemic. And for those of you who are just joining us either online or, or on demand later or, or even on campus today, if this is your first time with us, then, then you need to be aware. We decided we should go back to basics. 
And so since the pandemic began, we've been every week diving into the, diving into the book of Acts because that's the book that tells us how the, how the church started. That's the book that tells us how people of faith began this journey of faith. And so today, we're, we're going to launch into this series, and, and we're going to pick up the names of people, and, and today we're going to focus on, on a particular man whose life had tremendous impact. And yet, for many of us, we don't know his story. Now, last week, um, I'm so grateful for Pastor Mike Thigpen uh, and his willingness to come and, as a part of our congregation, Mike and his wife Melanie and their girls, they're, you know, they're part of East Side, and, and he's so great, graciously uh, agreed to preach last week so I could, I could take my third Sunday off since the pandemic started <laughs> and get some rest, and, uh, and I'm grateful for that. But in the process, without knowing it, he started my series for me, Okay. Because what he did was he, he took us to the Thomas, right? The story of Thomas. Thomas who gets a bad rap. Uh, because Thomas, Thomas, we always call him Doubting Thomas, right? Because of, of that story in which uh, he, Michael talked to us last week where, where you know, Thomas is like, I've got to see it. I've got to touch it. Um, but if you really read Thomas's whole life story, you discover that Thomas, Thomas was a man, before that, that moment when he was left out of seeing the risen Lord on the first Easter, he, he, was, he was a man of tremendous faith. Thomas was a man of tremendous dedication. It was Thomas who, when Jesus got ready to go back toward Jerusalem, when he was on the other side of the Jordan River, and the word came that, uh, that Lazarus had died, and Jesus is like, okay, we're going to go. After a few days, Jesus decided to go. And, and it was Thomas who said to the other disciples, because the disciples looked at Jesus and said, you can't go back over there. You, you can't go back over there. They're looking to kill you over there. And it was Thomas who looked at the rest of them when Jesus said, nope, I'm going. And, and Thomas looked and said, okay, let's go die with him. <laughs> I mean, now that's a friend, okay? Thomas, Thomas, was, Thomas was dedicated. And I love Thomas. I kind of became reattached to that story a few years ago when I was asked to preach uh, a commencement for the Asia Bible College in Kochi, India, in South India. And I discovered when I was there in, in Kochi uh, that it's in the, in the state of Kerala in South India. And what I discovered is that Thomas, that same Thomas that, that Pastor Mike talked about last week, that, that same Thomas in the days after Pentecost, in the days when we hear about Paul and Barnabas and the missionary journey, no, Thomas, Thomas booked passage as a, as a laborer, as a, as a worker. He worked his way over to the state of Kerala in South India. And within years of Pentecost, in that first century, the gospel of Jesus Christ was preached by Thomas in South India, in the state of Kerala, in the city of Kochi. And he went there because there was a Jewish colony there and of merchants. And I've sat in a synagogue built by those merchants and, and built by that Jewish colony. I've walked those streets. And, and suddenly I began to be aware, you know what? Thomas, Thomas wasn't just a little guy. Thomas had a huge impact. And the stories of Scripture are packed with that story, not just Thomas's, but other people's stories. Not all the famous people, but, but the everyday people, the ones like you and me. And the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God makes its greatest advance. It makes its greatest impact when it advances through people like you and me. You have been chosen by God. And so this morning, we're going to launch this series, 
And for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about what it means to be chosen by God and how God chooses people just like you and me. So we're going to start this morning with, with the story of a man whose name is Silas. And, and he's also referred to, he has a, the longer version of that is Silvanus. And in the New Testament, the story of Silas is a, is a powerful story, and it's a story of being chosen to serve. It's a story of being chosen, no matter what your background is, to serve. And so I want to I introduce you to Silas today, and I want you to get the picture of his life, because here's what I know. There's some things I think, and there's some things I know. This I know. You've been chosen too. You've been chosen by God if, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet, if you're just here checking us out, and checking out Christianity, whether you're on campus, online, um, on demand later this week, that's, that, that's okay. We want to be a, a place that you can check out. We want to have that kind of integrity. But what we also want you to know is there are some things that once you choose to follow Jesus Christ, He does in your life. And so this morning, if you've not crossed the line of faith yet, if you've not bowed the knee to Jesus yet, then you need to know that what I'm going to talk about, you can try to do, but you really won't accomplish much. Because you don't have the energy, you don't have the strength, you don't have the wherewithal to do what you've been called to do until you're willing to let Jesus be in control of your life. But if you are listening to us today, and, and you are here today, and you are a person who has said to Jesus, you know what, I want you to be in charge of my life, then you've got to know when you bowed that knee, when you crossed that line of faith, Jesus immediately began to enact a plan for your life. Jesus immediately began to, to develop things he's chosen just for you to do. And Silas, Silas is a wonderful example of that. Listen to the story. It's recorded in Acts chapter 15. I'm going to start reading at verse 36. Silas's story starts a little earlier, and, and we'll go back to that, but, but this gets us the primary gist of it. Listen. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas. Now, Paul and Barnabas are in Antioch. They've dealt with the questions about uh, the Pharisees, that the Christian Pharisees had asked about the rules for following Jesus as, as Gentiles, and they brought that back, and, and they had this time in Antioch with the Christians. And now Paul says to Barnabas, let's return and visit the brothers and sisters in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord on our first missionary journey and see how they're doing. Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John, who's also called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. If you know the book of Acts, if you've been listening to us this last year, you know there was this time where John Mark went with Barnabas and Paul on this first missionary journey, left from Antioch, went out with them. But when they, when they left Cyprus, Barnabas' home area, and went to the next city, then things got a little dicey. Things got a little tough. And, and John Mark's like, nah, I think I'm going home to mama, okay? I'm not going to stay in this. This is just too hard to do. Maybe you've had some times like that where you made a commitment to do something for God. You made a commitment to do something for Jesus, and then it got tough, and it got a little hard, and, and you're like, eh, yeah, that's just too much. I, I, don't, I really don't want it. And so you kind of go home. Now, Barnabas, Barnabas' name actually means son of encouragement. He's known for being able, he actually did that with Paul when nobody would believe that Paul was really a Christian. It was Barnabas, if you remember, who brought Paul in. So now here's Barnabas acting in character with, with who he is, 
saying, hey, you know, I know John Mark, you know, he kind of let us down, Paul, but, it, but it's okay. I believe in him. Let's take him with us now. Paul says, no, not happening. This guy let us down. You know, it's the old saying, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You know? He's like, nope, not, not doing it. We are not taking John Mark with us. And so there arose a sharp disagreement. So sharp, in fact, that Barnabas and Paul separated from each other. Two men who had, who had been as close as brothers separated from each other over this decision. And Barnabas took John Mark and sailed away to Cyprus, which if you remember is Barnabas's home area. That's where he's from. He's Joe from Cyprus or Barnabas. But Paul, Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers and sisters in Antioch to the grace of the Lord, and they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So here's Silas. Who is Silas? Well, Silas is a man who had great ability. He was talented. He, he had strengths. Earlier in this chapter, we, we read about the fact that, that while he was in Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, having brought that letter from the church in Jerusalem, he was an encouragement. He, he preached to people. You see, as followers of Jesus, God chooses us to serve regardless of our background. Regardless of our background. I, I mentioned earlier, some of you some of you don't think you can serve because, well, your background's too poor. You've had too little training, you think. Or you've had things happen to you. You've been abused. You've been deceived. You've been let down. You, maybe you've done things and you think, there's no way God could use me. And there are others of us, there are others of us who quite honestly think we're just a little too good for God, okay? I mean, there are some things that are just kind of beneath us, but Silas wasn't like that. Now, Silas had a background where, according to Luke in, in the book of Acts, Silas, Silas was a, a magnificent preacher. He had the gift of prophecy. He was respected. I mean, look at what he says. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers in Antioch with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. Silas was a man who had great ability. He was a man who had tremendous training. He was a man who had all the strengths that you would think. And here's what happens. He sees a breach between Barnabas and Paul. And he suddenly understands he's not been called to be the personality. He's not been called to be the hero. He's been called to be the servant. And I would suggest to you this morning that if you really listen to Jesus' teaching, if you follow the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, and you read what Jesus said time after time after time, what he said was, you know what? I'm calling people to be servants. I'm calling people to serve in the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, as I told you a moment ago, it's going to last forever. It is eternal. It starts now it's at work now. Friends, please, you've got to know this. You've got to know that, that the world is not lost. The world is not going to hell in a handbasket. You don't need to throw your hands up in the air. Chicken little was wrong. The sky is not falling. 
God is in control. Yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, there are hundreds of thousands of people who have died. Yes, there are millions of people who've been sick. Yes, it's not an easy time, but the kingdom of God is still at work. And the kingdom of God is still changing lives. People are still finding healing. People are still finding hope. You can find that healing. You can find that hope. And you've been chosen just like Silas. Silas was not chosen to be the lead guy. He wasn't chosen to be the captain of the army. No, no, he was chosen to walk with Paul. And he walked with him with integrity. And he walked with him with consistency. And I think that's why Paul chose him. I think that's why God chooses us. You see, God chooses you no matter your past, your background, no matter how talented or no matter how much you think you're not talented. Because I have to tell you, after years and years of pastoring churches, I cannot tell you how many times I've invited somebody to be a part of something in the kingdom of God. I've invited them to to do something to work in the life of the church or to work in the community. And I've heard this same phrase. I've heard this from PhDs. I've heard it from GEDs. Well, pastor, surely there's somebody else with more talent than me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not talking to them. I'm asking you, is the Holy Spirit talking to you? Is the Holy Spirit the one who's equipped you? That's what happened for Silas. Silas was a great preacher. He was a tremendous leader. But Silas was one who lived with a sense of integrity and consistency. The very first thing we learn about Silas isn't this time where he goes with Paul, and it isn't even what he did in Antioch after they delivered the letter. Do you know the first time we hear about Silas in the Scriptures? It's when they're getting ready to send the letter from Jerusalem to Antioch. And, well, look at it. What he says is, Luke, in writing the book of Acts, says James, the brother of Jesus, when they're sending this letter with Paul and Barnabas, who came and asked the questions, we have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. You see, when when you sent a letter in the first century, the people who received the letter needed to know that that letter was real. It was authentic. There was no fraudulent claim in it. The signatures were real. And, And so Silas was chosen because he was a person of integrity. He was a person of consistency. I, I think we've missed that in our culture right now. We've got people who are waiting for the, for the heroes to save us. I mean, come on, can we talk about Marvel comic books, okay? Can we talk about the Avengers? Hey, I've got news for you. There are no real Avengers. Seriously. It's all pretend. And yet, thousands and thousands of people Why do those things sell so much? Why do people get so fascinated with them? Because we need, in our minds, we think we need heroes. Can I tell you, we don't need heroes. We need servants. We need people who are willing to understand they have been called. They have been gifted. They have been placed in a a setting where God has uniquely equipped them. And by the way, that's not just in the third person. It's personal. You have been called. You have been equipped. You have been placed in a setting. And in the last year, some some of you have discovered gifts and talents that you didn't know you had. Some of you have discovered places where you can be used. And what I want you to hear what I think the Spirit of God wants you to hear 
is that the kingdom of God is real and you have been placed in it through your faith in Jesus Christ if you are a follower of Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, you have been chosen to be a person of integrity and a person of character and to be someone who's consistent. I'm not a mechanic. Some of you guys are mechanics. Some of you ladies are mechanics. Some of you understand these dynamics much better than I do. But I can tell you this. If I'm driving my car and the wheels are out of alignment, have you ever driven a car where the wheels are out of alignment? I mean, it's like, I mean, just, you're, 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 you're just shake you, all right? When mine starts doing that way, I'm like, I have got to go find a good mechanic, all right? I've got to go get this, this car back in line. Can I tell you? Your life was made. You were created. You were chosen to be in line with God. And if you're not in line with God, if you're out of alignment, then why are you surprised when your entire world is shaken? Why are you surprised when things go south so quickly? Which, by the way, as someone raised in the south, I'm not really sure I like that metaphor. I mean, going south to me went going home, you know. But the fact is, you were chosen. You were chosen regardless of your background, regardless of your, of your talents or your perceived lack of talent, regardless of your pain, regardless of your loss, regardless of your failure. You were chosen to be a person like Silas, a person of integrity, a person of consistency. Now, if you failed in that, if you fail to be consistent, if your life is out of alignment, that's why Jesus wants you to know He sent His Holy Spirit. If you don't know Jesus, His Spirit right now is the one saying to you inside your heart and your mind and your head, hey, you know what? You could get alignment through that Jesus that that preacher's talking about. And if you have given your life to Jesus and you still you still still feel the, the shaking in your life because things are out of alignment, things aren't reconciled, then you need to know it is the Holy Spirit of God at work in you that will align you, that will call you, that will help you, that will heal you from the pain and the heartache and the failure. See, you've been chosen to serve just like Silas. And, and and when you're chosen to serve, you're chosen because God has chosen to trust you. See, as followers of Jesus, God chooses us to serve so that we can be trusted through the tough times, through the difficult days. Because when you can be trusted in the midst of a pandemic, see, I, I, I really believe that there are a lot of people right now who are maybe for the first time in their life trying to figure out what they can trust because the things they trusted for years can't be trusted anymore. I, I think there are people all over the world who are searching and longing to find the kind of health and wholeness and alignment and integrity that followers of Jesus can offer but we can't offer it if we're chasing personalities, if we're chasing public fame, if we're chasing the grandiose. No, no. If we are following Jesus in such a way that we understand that he, He's chosen us regardless of our background, 
He's chosen us to be people of integrity. He's chosen us to be people of consistency. Then, then you need to know, you, you can be a part of this kingdom and the healing and the wholeness that I believe are going to come out of this pandemic. Now, I know everything's shaken up, but I also know God is not surprised and the kingdom is not failing. In fact, the kingdom is expanding in the hearts of people. Silas became a person who was a part of that expansion. In fact, three different times, Luke tells us in the book of Acts, in the next few chapters of the book of Acts, about times where, where Silas where Silas proved that he was chosen and he could be trusted. First of all, he tells us that in the city of Philippi, when they got there, it's a fun story. In fact, I'm going to tell you all three of these stories just so you know. You've been chosen too. Just like Silas, you can figure this out. So here he is, Silas, with the gifts of prophecy and the ability to lead people. And here he is serving alongside Paul. And Paul has, you know, Paul's greatest spiritual gift was he could annoy people to death. You do know that, right? I mean, everywhere Paul went, he preached in the synagogue and got kicked out, all right? It's kind of like he was not your favorite church member, all right? He was just like, show up, get kicked out, all right? And so here's, here's, here's Paul and Silas. They're in Philippi. There's not even a synagogue there, okay? They've gone out to what's called a place of prayer, um, which is kind of outside the city. And they've met with some people there. And, and as they're walking through the city, on the way to the place of prayer, there's this young lady. Now, this young lady was a slave. This young lady was, was owned by someone. She was being trafficked by someone. Now, here's why she was being trafficked. She wasn't being prostituted for sex. She was being trafficked because she had an ability, they thought, to, to, to tell the future, an ability to be a psychic, if you would. And she sees Paul and Silas, and she begins to follow them. And she's claiming, as she's following them through the city of Philippi, she's yelling at the top of her voice, listen to these men. They are the prophets of the Most High God. Now, that's a true statement, right? She's not saying anything wrong. Maybe she actually has this gift. But I love the way Luke records it. He says that, that she did it so loud, and she did it so often that Paul got annoyed. Silas didn't get annoyed. Paul got annoyed, and Paul gets annoyed, and Paul turns around, looks at her, and says to the spirit inside of her that gave her this ability, leave this girl in the name of Jesus, and he casts the spirit out of her, and now suddenly she no longer has this ability. She's happy. She's free. Paul's happy. He's been a part of the kingdom of God at work. The men and women who owned her were not happy. And so they just lost income. So let's look at what happens when they lose that income. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. Silas didn't do anything, y'all. And dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews. They are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. Can you imagine being Silas right now? Paul shot his mouth off. You're getting beat up. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them in prison. 
ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. <laughs> I mean, if I'm Silas, I mean, maybe you're more spiritual than me, but if I'm Silas, I'm sitting in that jail going, Paul, just keep your mouth shut. You look what you did to us. Just because the girl annoyed you, we're in jail. But for those of you who've read the rest of the story, you know that this story gets even more amazing. Because Silas didn't act like me. You know what Silas did? Well, Silas joined Paul, and what Luke tells us is that about midnight, they're in jail in the inner prison with their feet in stocks, singing praises to God. And as they're in the jail, in the stocks, having been beaten, now singing praises to God, an earthquake happens. And the earthquake shakes all the doors to the prison open. And the jailer, who was hired by the Roman government to run the jail, knew that if the prisoners escaped, he was, he was going to be killed. He was responsible. And so the honorable thing for him to do was to take his own life, to fall on his own sword. So he pulls his sword. And out of the darkness comes this voice saying, hey, man, don't, don't hurt yourself. We're all still here. And that Philippian jailer calls for a light, calls for a, 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 a torch, and he goes in. And there he sees Paul and Silas and all the other, all the other prisoners. They've not left. And he looks at Paul and Silas and says, I don't know who this God is you're proclaiming, but I want to be one of his followers. Why? Because the consistency, the integrity, the alignment is there. Even in jail, Paul was there and Silas was right there with him. The other thing is then they leave Philippi sometime later after baptizing that jailer and his entire house, after establishing the church there, they go on to another little town nearby called Thessalonica. When they get to Thessalonica, again, Paul annoys people. And again, the authorities come after them. And, and look at what is recorded there. When they do that, the Christians in Thessalonica say to Paul and Silas, guys, you got to leave town. They're going to beat you up again. And so they immediately sent Paul and Silas away in, by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue in Berea. So Philippi, you're jailed. You're beaten and jailed. Thessalonica, you're beaten. By this point in time, I'm thinking if I'm walking down that road with Paul, I'm saying, Paul, when we get to the next town, can you just, can you just keep this under control? Please. But what happens? Well, look at the next one. When the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the Word of God was being proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too, agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea. But Silas and Timothy remained there. At this point, I'm, if I'm Silas, I'm saying, hey, Paul, how come we don't get to go? These guys that beat us up, they're coming here. They know what I look like. They know what Timothy looks like. You're, you're going. They're taking you out of town. Why am I still here? But look. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens. And after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him, as soon as possible, they departed. You see, 
Silas demonstrated that he could be trusted in the midst of a difficult set of circumstances multiple times. Now, follow me on this. What I'm saying to you is God is not surprised by the pandemic. The culture is shifting dramatically. And what God is looking for, God has chosen people. God has chosen you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, alive in 2021, anywhere on the face of the earth, you have been chosen by God to be a person of integrity, to be a person of consistency, to be a person who serves no matter what your background, and to be a person, a person who even in these tough times is not out parading around championing causes, but is finding a way to be a part of the kingdom of God of mercy and grace and love, forgiveness, peace, compassion, strength, character, dare I even say holiness? That's who we've been chosen to be as followers of Jesus Christ in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a world like this world right now. And Silas, Silas modeled it for us, and we don't even know his name. And we've not even put the pieces together. But I'm telling you, he's not the hero that Paul is. He's not the grandiose personality. You're not called to be a grandiose personality. We're not called to be a grandiose church. We're called to be a part of the kingdom of God. And it's not just about the photo ops and the Twitter posts and the Instagram pictures. It's about the people around us. Because you see, when we get that part, then we end up understanding that as followers of Jesus, God chooses us to serve because our identity is in Jesus. Our identity is in Jesus. I was quite amazed a few weeks ago when I was watching the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I was pleased. I mean, all the games were in Indiana, right? Doesn't get much better than that if you're a Hoosier. All the games are here. And I'm watching all of them. And as the Baylor University team began to, to, to win and win and win, I took a little more interest in that because there's a there are some connections between Eastside and Anderson University and Baylor University. There are some people who are alums of AU and have worshipped here at Eastside who work in the sports information department at, at Baylor. And so I'd heard stories about this Scott Drew, the coach. And I knew about his dad and I knew about his brother and from their work at Valparaiso. And, and, and so I, I knew about them athletically and I knew of their claim to Christian faith. So I wasn't really surprised when, when Baylor won the, the championship trophy and, and Scott Drew begins talking on national and international platform about the fact that he loves his team because they are a culture of joy. Jesus first, others second, yourself third. Yeah, I've been around athletics enough to get those kind of little things that, that people say. And that didn't, I mean, it was nice, but I expected that, right? Here's what I didn't expect. Here's what moved me almost to tears. Here's what what got me thinking even more about being a Silas in this world. It was when there was a picture in the paper the morning after the championship. A, a picture of Scott Drew, head coach of the national championship men's basketball team for the NCAA. 
A man who, who was now looked at, catered to, honored by the entire country and all the athletes and the athletic departments in it. Multi-million dollar contract. And the picture was of Scott Drew, follower of Jesus Christ, with his team, loading the bus. And he's grabbing bags and throwing them on just like everybody else. And I thought to myself, man, he doesn't even have to be there. I mean, really, let him take a limousine to the, I mean, he's the coach, right? Without him, he can take the limo out to the airport. He can fly back to Texas on a private jet. After all, it's Texas. They just won their first national title ever. Well, since El Paso, in 50 years for the state of Texas. Do you not realize in Texas, this man is a God? And he's... He's loading the bus. I mean, sorry, but when I played NAIA ball, we made the freshmen do that. This is the highest echelon of men's college basketball. And the head coach isn't just wearing a WWJD bracelet and talking about what Jesus would do and Jesus, others, and yourself. No, no. He's picking up the bags and putting them on the bus. That's a Silas. Now, I'm not saying that to make him a hero because heroes all have clay feet. I'm saying it because he's a Silas. And Silas's are people who understand we've been called to serve. We've been called to serve. But more than called, we've been chosen. And there's a place you've been chosen to serve. There are skills you've been given. And God has that place for you. The question is, will you serve? The same way Silas did. Look at 1 Peter, the last place we hear about Silas in the Bible. This time he's, Peter uses his longer version of his name, Silvanus. By Silvanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written briefly to you, exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. My friends, you have been chosen to serve if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The question is, will you stand firm in it all the way to the end? It'll simply take you doing the same thing Silas did, saying to God, God, here I am for whatever you want me to do.